and I saw when the Lamb opened one of the seals, and I heard, as it were, the noise of thunder, saying, Come and see. Thunder Radio with Christian J. Pento. Okay, praise the Lord, you guys, and welcome. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Today on the show, we are going to talk about events happening in the news in our country and around the world. There are a number of different stories and controversies going on as we watch God's great mystery continue to unfold prophetically upon the earth. Now, there's all sorts of debates about where we are in the timeline of prophecy. How close are we to Armageddon and the end of the world and the the, the blessed hope, the appearance of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ? And yes, that is our blessed hope. Praise the Lord. Well, while there might be all sorts of theories about where exactly we are, I think one thing that most Christians would probably agree to is that we are at least at 2 Timothy 3 and verse 1, where the Apostle Paul says, This know also that in the last days perilous times shall come. For men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, without natural affection, truce breakers, false accusers, incontinent, fierce, despisers of those that are good, traitors, heady, high-minded, lovers of pleasures, more than lovers of God, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. From such, turn away. And again, that's 2 Timothy chapter 3. I think most Christians, maybe there are some who might disagree, I don't know, but most Christians that I've known would agree that we are at least at that point in the prophetic timeline where men are lovers of their own selves, lovers of pleasures more than lovers of God. We think about what's going on so much of what is happening. Uh, You know, when people talk about love and they talk about the love of God and God is love, it's always important that we remember the scripture says, this is the love of God that we keep his commandments. Jesus said, he that loves me is he who has my words and who keeps them. He it is that loves me. And he that loves me not, neither will he keep my sayings. And the word which you hear is not mine, but from the Father who sent me, the Lord says. So that's very important to remember as we hear all these conversations about love and what it means to be loving. And supposedly, if you speak out against sin and and uh, rebellion against the laws of God, supposedly you're engaging in hate speech. That is what we are seeing and hearing more and more. Well, speaking of controversy, there's a number of stories going on. Uh, There are uprisings happening in China right now where you have had, uh, because they've been in lockdown in China, believe it or not, here in the United States, they have largely put the COVID-19 pandemic, plandemic rules and restrictions, that kind of thing have have largely been put aside. Although uh, when I was at the store the other day, I noticed that there were more people who started to wear masks again. And I'm wondering if they're going to try and start that back up here as we get into the holidays and into the new year. They've invested a lot of time into COVID-19, it was called the uh, the crown jewel of the new world order or of globalism, the, the ultimate device that they could use to try and enslave humanity. 
And no, they've not given up on this pandemic treaty. There was talk about it. There was some controversy. In fact, I'm going to play a, a little bit of audio here uh, before we get into our other topics. But I just want to remind everybody this uh, pandemic treaty is on is scheduled to be signed in 2024. And what they're saying about it is it's going to hand over the powers. Basically, the warning is it's going to hand over the rule of law and national sovereignty to the World Health Organization on pandemic issues. Now, of course, there's a lot of controversy about that. The treaty's not yet been signed. So people are debating and arguing about exactly what that treaty will say. But there's no doubt it is a globalist device, a globalist instrument to claim more and more power for this new world order that they are pushing and promoting. And the reason this is important to look at what's happening in China, where the, the Chinese people have still been under lockdown in perpetuity. They're just continually under lockdown. They're, they're being sealed inside their homes. Literally, you, you can go online, watch videos of of them uh, uh, locking people in their homes, uh, sealing their doors shut and not allowing them to come out because they've got to keep them in perpetual quarantine because of the alleged pandemic. And what's happening now is there's this backlash and the Chinese people are rising up and they're shouting and screaming, hey, we're not going to put up with this anymore. But people are predicting that it's just going to be Tiananmen Square 2.0. In fact, there's an article on Front Page Mag uh, covering a, an episode of Glatsoff Gang with Jamie Glatsoff. They say uh, zero COVID. That's what China's claiming. There's zero tolerance for COVID. So therefore, they've got to have this extreme lockdown, all these extreme measures against the Chinese people. And so uh, the article says uh, Tiananmen Square 2.0 question mark. Unfortunately, I think that's what this is going to end up being. And that's not a good thing. Not a good thing. And I'll talk more about why I think it's not a good thing. Uh, but first, what I want to do is I want to play some audio. This is from this is audio of Christine Anderson. She is an MEP from Germany speaking at the European Parliament about this World Health Organization pandemic treaty that they are that they've been planning now for some time. I want you to listen to what she says and the warnings that she gave about five months ago. Here it is. Listen. You might not be aware, but the abolition of democracy by the global elites continues. On March 3rd, the EU Commission was authorized by the Council to renegotiate the treaty with the World Health Organization on behalf of the member states. Under the guise of improving global pandemic response, the plan is to allow the WHO to seize executive governance powers of the member states in a case of a pandemic. Granting governing powers to non-elected body is the exact opposite of democratic recourse and takes away any possibility for the people to hold officials accountable. This amounts to no less than disenfranchising the people. We, as elected representatives by the people, for the people, must not allow this to happen. I am imploring you, do what you were elected to do. Look into this and protect the rights of the people. The people you were elected by to act in their best interest. And to all the people in Europe, I would like to say, start acting now. Write to your MEPs. Let them know you will not tolerate to be stripped of your rights to democratic recourse. All right. So again, that was Christine Anderson, an MEP out of Germany. And you can look her up. She she seems to be taking a strong stand against globalism and uh, against the the uh, the pandemic. I don't know a whole lot about her. I know just briefly uh, that she has spoken out against the measures, the totalitarian measures that they're taking to try and grab more and more power the uh, global elites, at least the issues out on the table. Now, they've not yet signed this pandemic treaty, but this is why I say, as we've got people that are saying that China is the model, China is the way forward, 
You've got the powers out of Rome. The, the, the Vatican officials have stated uh, repeatedly that China represents the ideal model of government. Uh, let's remember what General MacArthur said back in the 1960s, where he said that it seems strange to some people that the communist conspirators have staked their claim in Asia, by which he seems to have meant China in particular. They've staked their claim in Asia, and from Asia, they want to try and gain control of the entire world, the whole planet, based on international communism. That's what globalism is, international Marxism. So, this, so the situation in China right now, what's going on with this perpetual lockdown and what they're calling Tiananmen Square 2.0, this becomes very, very important because that is the direction they want to take everybody else. They'd love to be able to do that here in the United States of America. They're not there yet. They got a number of problems. Most Americans at this point simply don't trust them. Uh, thankfully, we've got people like uh, Senator Rand Paul, who's calling out Dr. Fauci in Congress. That's ongoing. Uh, Senator Paul maintains he's going to go after Fauci and try and get charges against him. I mean, Fauci should be charged with something in all of this. But uh, he is he's walking in between the raindrops. Of course, we know Dr. Fauci is a Jesuit. And uh, we firmly believe that the Jesuits out of Georgetown, through the CIA and through their agents in Congress, and now with uh, Joe Biden in the White House. Of course, we believe that this is all counter-reformation stuff that's going on and that ultimately the, the power behind globalism is in Rome and their agents in America are what's manipulating our federal government. Okay. Oh, on that note, just a quick aside, I did want to say that we had the opportunity to interview Sean Wilcock. Sean Wilcock, who is a Christian minister in South Africa, based in South Africa. He is an author of a whole series of books that deal with Rome, the Jesuits, and the Counter-Reformation. And I had a chance to interview Sean Wilcock uh, on Wednesday of this past week, last week on Wednesday. And we spoke for several hours and I had a, a chance to record it in a Zoom call. Of course, he's in South Africa. But we had a great conversation and I really enjoyed being able to, to speak with him face-to-face -face by camera, but nevertheless uh, in person in that manner. Uh, but he's a great guy, wonderful man of God, describing the situation there in South Africa. I continue to warn people, and I talked to him about this, and I, I asked him if he agreed that what, because he's from Rhodesia originally, Rhodesia was undermined and basically overthrown by communists and renamed Zimbabwe. His family left there. They went to South Africa. He saw the same thing happen in South Africa. The South African government, uh, which was a professing Christian country, undermined by communism, overthrown through the entrance of Nelson Mandela and the ANC, gaining control of the political system there. But now they're living under a very severe form of communism. While I was talking to him, he, he just described the, the situation, the crime there is so bad that he was at his house. Let me just tell you this one part of my interview with him so people get a sense for why it's so bad when communism takes over a country. So he was sitting at his house and he had apparently a little studio in a separate building from what he said, about 20 yards from his house where he lives with his family, 20 yards. And he said that just to walk that 20 yards from the house to the separate building, he's got to be sure and carry a firearm with him because the crime is so bad. He said it, it you could be attacked at any point anywhere. That that's how bad the crime is. The crime rate is through the roof. And I've heard that repeatedly. I heard the same thing uh, or words to that effect when I interviewed Dr. Peter Hammond a number of years ago. 
who also is based in South Africa. So there, there are many reasons why having communism and socialism sabotage your country is a terrible idea. But one of the things Sean Wilcock agreed to when I talked to him is that what they did in those countries is the playbook for what the Marxists want to do right here in the United States of America. That is why there's all of this racial agitation and they've got critical race theory and the 1619 Project. And now California is collecting reparations. That's what they're planning to do. They're going to pay out reparations, a state in our union that never practiced slavery is going to be paying out reparations. It's unbelievable, but that's the kind of insanity that goes on with the psychological warfare of the left when the socialists and the communists come in and they take over. And of course, many of us believe that now they've completely rigged the elections. That has become clear from this midterm. So we are in a very, very difficult spot as a country. And we've got to watch what's going on in these other countries like China, especially since what they're doing in China right now is what they want to do here in the United States of America. And it's hard to believe. I I simply don't believe, even though I'm very thankful right now, I thank the Lord that they have backed off a lot of this COVID-19 stuff. They have invested in this for too many years for me to believe that they are completely going to abandon this. And knowing that they've got the pandemic treaty coming up in 2024, it's almost like this first round of COVID pandemic alarmism was sort of a trial run. And I think what they're doing is they're modifying their approach and they're planning the next surge. And who knows exactly when that's going to be, but they're certainly moving in that direction. So we got to be in prayer, folks. Uh, I don't believe there's a political solution in our country. I've been talking to friends about this. I don't think we're going to vote our way out of this. We need the help of Almighty God. We need the help of our Creator. Uh, It is time for you, O Lord, to act, as the Scripture says, for they have made void thy law. That's what the psalmist prays, and that should be our prayer. All right, we are going to go to a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to talk about some other issues going on. We're going to talk about this very controversial interview with Kanye West, who's now called Yee, and Alex Jones. We're going to talk about that whole thing and what's going on in the Ukraine. Now, the Ukraine's President Zelensky has been named Time Magazine's Person of the Year, which uh, right now you've got some people who are shocked by that, but The reality is, if you know the history of Time magazine going all the way back uh, to World War II, even remember Adolf Hitler was listed as Time magazine's person of the year or man of the year. Uh, Joseph Stalin also was called man of the year by Time magazine. The Ayatollah Khomeini was named man of the year at one point. So this is this is a pattern for Time magazine. And we'll talk about that when we come back from the break. And what's the history of Time Magazine with Knight of Malta, Henry Luce. We'll talk about that and more when we come back right after this. Adullam Films presents a stunning new documentary, The True Christian History of America, exploring the Bible-based Christian origins of the early American view of freedom, tracing the principles of liberty back to England and the Great Reformation. For many years, our schools have taught that the founding of our Republic was from the Deists or the Enlightenment in France. But is that truly the case? Did the Enlightenment first declare no taxation without representation or trial by jury? Were they the champions of freedom of speech or of the press or the right to bear arms? And why did Samuel Adams declare that the reign of political Protestantism would commence just before signing the Declaration of Independence? 
Filmed on location in both the United States and Europe, The True Christian History of America is now available at adullamfilms.com. That's adullamfilms.com. Now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Adullam Films presents an exciting new documentary, Bridge to Babylon, part three in an award-winning series on the untold history of the Bible. Dr. Jack Moorman calls it a masterful presentation of what is the single most important issue facing Christians today, the defense of the Bible as the Word of God. Why was the Bible changed in 1881? Why have so many churches abandoned biblical inerrancy? And what direction are scholars taking the scriptures today? Learn the truth in Bridge to Babylon, the sequel to A Lamp in the Dark and Tares Among the Wheat. Bridge to Babylon is now available at noiseofthunderradio.com. That's noiseofthunderradio.com. Noise of Thunder Radio. Okay, we are back. Praise the Lord, you guys. I'm Chris Pinto. This is Noise of Thunder Radio. Uh, thanks for staying with the show today. We know that many of you are listening to our program on different websites out there, but we did want to remind you we have our own site specifically for Noise of Thunder Radio at noiseofthunderradio.com. If you're listening on Apple iTunes or if you're on SoundCloud or Podbean or any of a number of outlets, uh, you can always check out our own website there. Also, we have our documentary film website, our main site, which is adullamfilms.com, A-D-U-L-L-A-M films.com. You can check out the documentaries that we have produced over the last, well, how long has it been now? We released uh, Megiddo, the March to Armageddon in 2003. So it's been about 19 years now. And uh, we have a whole body of work. We have documentaries. We have several different documentary series. And uh, then we've got our audio CDs. Of course, we have the book, Washington in the Lap of Rome, that if you've got that book, if you've read it, then you'll have, I think, a, a greater understanding about what's actually going on in Washington, D.C. today. Okay, back to the issue of China. Why is China important? Why are these protests important? Why is the fact that they are doing perpetual lockdown in China, why is that so important? Fox News reported, quote, China is a model for many nations, according to World Economic Forum Chair Klaus Schwab. According to the World Economic Forum, that is one of the leading globalist organizations. That is the direction that they're headed. That's the direction they want to go. It'll be interesting to see what happens, but that's what they're trying to move us toward. Uh, they are trying to move us in the direction of what is going on in China. So that's why it's important to pay attention to that. Okay, so uh, we've also got other things going on. There's this whole interview with Alex Jones and Kanye West that has turned everybody upside down. Personally, I think it's much ado about nothing, personally, uh, because Kanye West is a musician. He doesn't have any political power. Who really cares what he thinks? But it just gives them an opportunity to uh, throw stones at the conservative movement in America. Why? Because Kanye met with President Trump, and uh, now it's reported that Trump also had dinner with Kanye West and with Nick Fuentes, who is has these very strong opinions that are called white supremacist, etc. Uh, but let's listen to just some of the dialogue from Kanye West, who now goes by the name Yee when he was on the Alex Jones program. Here it is. Listen. That's right. You're not Hitler. You're not a Nazi. You don't deserve to be called that and demonized. Well, I... I see. I I see good things about Hitler. Also, the Jew. I love everyone. I'm done with the classifications. Every human being has something of value that they brought to the table, especially Hitler. Especially Hitler. Now that's just one sampling of 
the dialogue that goes on. I mean, Kanye West or Yee goes on and he's talking about how he, quote, loves Hitler, etc. And it's really kind of bizarre. At one point, Alex Jones is trying to deflect away from it. And Kanye West brings it back to Hitler again. Listen to this. I've said it, the most Nazi-like activities I've seen, um, and, and the Nazis, in my view, were thugs that shut people down to a lot of really bad things. But they did good things, too. We're going to stop dissing the Nazis all the time. Okay. We're, we're going to get to that. Do I round up Jews in Nazi Germany? Do I get love then? Schwarzenegger said he loved Hitler. They gave him an award. I, I'm just saying, I don't like Nazis, and I don't like what some of the mafias are doing either. I like Hitler. Okay, so there in that clip, you heard uh, Alex Jones reaffirming that he doesn't like Nazis, etc. And then Kanye West says, quote, I like Hitler, end quote. Okay, and, and he kind of said it lower, but if you listen to it carefully, that's what he says. He says, I like Hitler. And then there's other quotes where he's going on and on. It's really a very, very bizarre interview where, where ye or Kanye West is wearing this black mask on his face. It looks totally bizarre. Now, the thing to me that's that's probably the most disturbing about it, other than the fact that he's he's giving this uh, these praise and defense for Hitler and the Nazis and this kind of thing, is that he's sitting there with a copy of the Bible, and he is at points quoting from the Bible and. Uh, or talking about the Bible and, and and talking about Jesus and Christianity and this kind of thing as though he himself is a Christian. That to me is very, very disturbing because, and it almost to me looks staged. There is the term Jesuit theater that we've talked about on the program before. The Jesuit stage theatrics. I mean, they, they used to do real Jesuit theater and, and, a lot of people think they still do. In fact, when I reviewed the materials of uh, Sean Wilcox in South Africa, who writes about the Jesuits, one of the things that he writes about is Hollywood as an instrument of the Jesuit order. And Hollywood is modern Hollywood promoting communism and all of these leftist ideas. It is Jesuit theater. The Jesuits understood centuries ago the importance of theatrics. In fact, they believed that a, a, a stage play or a musical or something like that could be far more powerful than any sermon preached in a church. And it would reach a lot more people. It would influence their thought process. And so they began writing plays and, and paying a lot of attention to entertainment-type media even before the modern era. So once film and television comes in, there's no question that they made a beeline to do all that they could to try and control and direct that medium, which they have continued to do. And that's really what I think is going on, uh, going back to uh, communism, the Marxists infiltrating Hollywood in the 20th century, which clearly they've done. At this point, there can be no doubt. But now, whether or not that means that this Ye West and, and Alex Jones interview is staged by the powers that be somehow, uh, that I can't prove. I admit I can't prove it. But I find it very interesting that there's all this media on it. And now they're trying to associate Trump the conservative, quote-unquote, Christian movement in America, because that's how it's seen. And they're associating all of that with this strangeness going on with uh, uh, Kanye West, who has legally changed his name to Ye. It's almost like when Prince changed his name to this sign, and he was known as the artist formerly known as Prince. And then they would just show a, a sign, a symbol, that's how his name is going to appear. It, it is somewhat, it, it's bizarre. It's strange. There's no question. And for Kanye West to now go around calling himself Ye, and everybody's got to call him Ye, it's, it's just bizarre. And you listen to the whole interview. It is a, uh, it's a strange mix of pseudo-evangelistic, promotion of the Bible and so-called Christianity at one point, 
along with Kanye West talking about how even though he claimed to be a Christian, he's still involved in all these immoral practices and this kind of thing. And then with all of that, throwing in these comments about Adolf Hitler, the whole thing is just completely bizarre. And it seems like it was somehow or other set up or staged to sabotage the Christian community uh, or the conservative, the, the whole idea of the conservative argument in America. That's the way that I'm seeing this. I don't, I don't think that this is some legitimate something that this guy is doing. Uh, this guy is worth a lot of money. He's been given, he's, he's being given all kinds of press and all kinds of promotion and, and the, the fact that they're even paying attention to him at all. Why are they paying so much attention to this guy? This guy's a, a musician. He's a rap singer type person who was married to Kim Kardashian for a while. Why give him all of this attention? It doesn't make a lot of sense in the world. He's, he's, he's not a politician. He's not making decisions or policies or passing laws or anything like that. And yet he's, he's getting all of this attention. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me. All right. So in the midst of all that, more theatrics that have been going on is certainly there's no question that the situation in the Ukraine with Zelensky, Zelensky is the leading man for the globalist activity in Ukraine. They have cast him in the role of Hamlet and Hamlet I'm using that obviously figuratively, but no, he's he's the leading man in this Ukrainian drama that is unfolding there. And now Time magazine has named Zelensky man of the year or really person of the year. They've got to be politically correct. Can't say man of the year anymore because that's misogynistic and it's an insult to the female community and it supports the patriarchy and they can't support the patriarchy no matter what because that's just so horrible. Even though, what is Western civilization built on? It's built on patriarchy. It's, it's, built, it's built on God's declaration in Genesis as the Lord said to Eve and Adam ultimately, your desire shall be toward your husband, but he shall rule over thee. So the man rules over the woman, ultimately. And that is, that, that is a declaration from God. The globalists and the feminists and so on who are arguing that they're going to somehow or other overturn that is, uh, no, that's not going to happen. Women are not going to take over the world or take over countries and take them away from men. That's just not going to happen. Uh, the, the whole purpose of feminism in this regard is to try and weaken the men in America and in Western civilization so that they can bring in other men, Muslims and socialists and communists and so on, who are not going to have the chivalrous view of protecting women and children that Western civilization is known for because that's not what they want. They don't want women and children protected. They want women and children to be enslaved. But in order for that to happen, you've got to take out the men. The men have to be weakened and ultimately they have to be overthrown. In other words, the men in any given country that are protecting the women and children, they've got to be dealt with first. Then the predators, the invaders can come in and enslave all the women and children. That's typically how warfare works. But that, I believe, is what they want. I think that is all part of the agenda. That's what so much of this LGBT movement is about. It's why they're putting it into the military to cause our military men to be more preoccupied with wearing dresses and high heels and getting their pronouns right and this kind of thing, rather than actually focusing on the traditional aspects of war and defending our country. They're trying to entangle our population with all these ideas of transgenderism, which they've done, unfortunately. I think we need to throw it off. I think we need to push back and say, no, this is all contrary to the laws of nature and the laws of God, which are the foundation of American law. It's not only unconstitutional, it's anti-constitutional. 
That's what we've got to recognize. It's not just unconstitutional. It's anti-constitution. It's completely against the Constitution. It's attempting to undermine the Constitution. That's what it's doing. It's an attempt at overthrowing the concept of God-given rights, rights that come from God. They don't want God-given rights. They want rights that come from judges and lawyers, rights that you can make up. And they're continually looking for ways to undermine the fundamental rights of our Constitution. We need to be paying attention to what they're doing. For example, now there's yet another lawsuit. There was the big lawsuit against Remington Arms over what happened with uh, Sandy Hook because they blamed uh, Remington for the fact that uh, the, the shooter used a firearm that they manufactured. Okay, now they're blaming the gun manufacturers for the actions of criminals. This is about to repeat itself now with the Uvalde, Texas tragedy that happened because the shooter used a Daniel Defense rifle. So Daniel Defense is now being sued. Interesting, they're not allowed to sue the police officers who failed to go in, who stood outside and didn't go in to rescue the, uh, the children and the teachers. They can't do that. Why? Because the courts have ruled that the police have no legal obligation to protect the American people. Incredibly. Now, that's a violation. If you go look up the Protection and Obedience Clause in our Declaration of Independence and that principle among early thinkers and teachers of law like Blackstone, John Locke, Sir Edward Cook, Richard Hooker, and others, you'll find the protection and obedience principle, which we've talked about on this show before. But if you look it up, the general rule is where the government does not protect, the people are absolved from their duty to obey. In other words, the people don't have to obey a government that refuses to protect them. That's the general argument. That obviously creates complications. Now, with the courts ruling that the police don't have any legal duty to protect the people. Very, very dangerous. I mean, the fundamental principles of our system are being undermined, mostly through the courts, not entirely. Attacking fundamental principles of our Constitution and the idea of God-given rights, rights that come from God. Now, One of the fundamental principles going all the way back to Magna Carta is no taxation without representation. This brings us back to the Ukraine issue and Zelensky. No taxation without representation. Where does that come from? I believe the evidence shows that the reason this was put in place originally, back with the Great Charter, is because King John of England agreed in 1214 AD, he went and he met with the Pope's ambassador and he laid his crown down at the feet of the Pope's ambassador. Exactly what happened, we don't know, but we do know that the King John of England effectively declared that he would submit to the authority of the Pope in Rome. And one of the things the Pope wanted was for the countries of Western Europe to pay him money, to pay him Peter's pence. And so where's John going to get that money? The king, King John, where's he going to get the money to, to send to the Pope? Well, he's going to have to get it by raising taxes among the people. So this is part of what inspired, I think, in general, the Anglo-Saxons of the 13th century with Archbishop Stephen Langton and the barons at Runnymede, they did not like the idea of a foreign country controlling their country through the government, through the king. They didn't like that. But part of the reason they didn't like it is they didn't like the idea that they were effectively going to be fleeced by a foreign power that was going to indirectly, you know, through the king, raise their taxes and take their money and send it down to this foreign leader. Well, look at look at America Look at the United States post-World War II. That's what has happened to our country 
from shortly after the time the papacy was brought to an end in 1870, the temporal power of the Pope. It was resurrected in 1929 through Mussolini. And then by the time we get to the end of World War II, you have the United States government sending out millions of dollars of financial aid to all these different countries. And remember, through World War II, uh, there at the end with the OSS, the Office of Strategic Services, headed by Wild Bill Donovan, Donovan, founder of the OSS, which becomes the CIA, as we read in the book American Democracy in the Vatican, William Donovan appears late in life at the Vatican to meet with the Pope so the Pope can give him a, an award for his lifelong service to the papacy. And this is one of the chief reasons why Dr. Stephen Mumford argued that our intelligence community is controlled by the Vatican, basically. The CIA and the Jesuits, because the Jesuits are, you know, there's a lot of things we can say about the Jesuits throughout history. The reason you as a Christian should know about it is because of the Counter-Reformation that is more than 400 years old. And the purpose of the Counter-Reformation is to overthrow all the elements of the great Protestant Reformation, theologically and politically. To undermine the gospel, undermine the Bible as the word of God, and then to destroy all of the freedoms, freedom of speech, freedom of the press, freedom of religion, freedom of conscience, the right to bear arms, private property, ownership and protections, etc., to overthrow all of that, which is really the aim, it's the ambition of globalism today. So what's happening? Our country is being fleeced. Let me just give you, I just read, you know, we know that people are complaining about all of the money they're sending to Ukraine. Here you got Time Magazine. We're going to talk about Henry Luce as a Knight of Malta here shortly. Henry Luce, who was the founder of Time Magazine. He's since passed away, but of course, we believe the company continues his legacy. But Time Magazine naming Zelensky, the president of Ukraine, as person of the year. Okay, now here is an article from the Center for Strategic and International Studies at CSIS.org. And this is just last month, November of 2022. Here is what they said. Quote, U.S. aid to Ukraine totals $68 billion. And the White House has just asked Congress for another $37.7 billion. That's going to be over $100 billion. One, more than $100 billion dollars will have been paid out to the Ukraine in what? Why, why are we sending all this money to Ukraine? How is it that the Ukraine is able to demand a blank check from the United States of America? This is a foreign country. What are we doing paying all this money to support a foreign country and their war with Russia? which so many analysts argue they're not going to be able to win anyway unless NATO gets involved, and that would lead, could lead, probably would lead to World War III. So why are, we, why are we investing all of this money into this foreign country? We don't owe them anything. The, 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 the ambition of Zelensky and his government it really is not in, in the best interests of the United States of America unless America is marching towards socialism. You see, that's the problem here. That's the problem. So our country's being fleeced. They are, I believe, you, you can make an argument that this is just the grand theft of the United States. Not only the support for the war in Ukraine, but also giving our money to all these illegal aliens who are not even supposed to be here. And of course, we're being told that this is something that we need to do because it's the Christian thing to do. It's the charitable thing to do, etc. And then once the philanthropic elements are laid out on the table, it becomes very, very difficult to argue. But what are they really doing? Uh, are they is this really a charitable endeavor? 
and what's going on here from a biblical perspective. Let's talk about the Bible. And, you know, we started by talking about prophecy and how the Apostle Paul says in the last days, perilous times shall come for men shall be lovers of their own selves. Well, the Apostle Peter in 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 1, let's read what he says, his warning to the church going forward. He says in verse 1, But there were false prophets also among the people, even as there shall be false teachers among you, who privily shall bring in damnable heresies, even denying the Lord that bought them, and bring upon themselves swift destruction. And many shall follow their pernicious ways, by reason of whom the way of truth shall be evil spoken of. All right, so there's going to be false teachers. They're going to bring in damnable heresies. Many people are going to follow their evil ideas. And as a result, people are going to say evil things about the way of truth, which is the gospel uh, and Christianity. And so in verse 3, Peter says, And through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you. With feigned words, they make merchandise of you. They turn you into their merchandise, whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not, and their damnation slumbereth not. And then Peter goes on from there. So very, very severe warnings about those who make merchandise of the people of God. And that's really, I believe, that that is a huge part of what's happening. We know that it happens at the level of having these con artists and, and hucksters that get on TV and they're claiming that they're performing miracles or they have, quote, a word from God and this kind of thing, and they're having people send them money and on and on and on. I think that's one type of making merchandise of God's people. But certainly what's going on with globalism, where they are literally fleecing the Christian countries of the world uh, and having Christian people pay billions and trillions of dollars in taxes that are then being taken and used for evil purposes in, in a whole variety of different ways, whole variety of different ways. So part of me sees, I mean, obviously I, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, <laughs> My mother's side of the family has the Anglo-Saxon heritage to it, going back to England and Wales. The, the Anglo-Saxon view of this is, no, we should not give in to this. We shouldn't allow ourselves to be taken advantage of by these foreign con artists. But on the other hand, as a believer in Christ, I recognize this is the fulfillment of Bible prophecy. It's what the Lord told us would happen, and indeed, it has happened. You think about where, where Peter says that even denying the Lord that bought them. Many of these people who are claiming to be Christians, this, this social justice version of so-called Christianity, which is a counterfeit, they are denying the Lord Jesus Christ. They deny the gospel through their promotion of ecumenism and the idea that all religions are one and the same, that is an anti-Christ doctrine. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Peter says in the book of Acts, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved, Acts 4.12. No other name under heaven, given among men whereby we must be saved, other than the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. But that message is deemed offensive by globalism because it uh, doesn't uh, respect the so-called dignity of pagan beliefs. It doesn't respect the so-called dignity of, of Islam, uh, etc., it's supposedly uh, offensive to go around saying that kind of thing, even though it, it is the belief in Christian supremacy. And really what I mean, you know, the word supremacy often 
seems offensive to people, but the reality is that's what it is, Christian supremacy. It's the supremacy of God and the only true religion, which is Christianity. And the Bible as the only inspired and infallible revelation that God has given to mankind. And that is what Christianity teaches historically. But now all of those fundamental principles are deemed offensive, unacceptable, because they give offense to people who don't believe that. And we have allowed these uh, wolves in sheep's clothing, in fact, go and study the Fabian Socialist Society, because a lot of what's happening in our country through the schools, colleges, universities, yes, the Jesuits, of course, are, are involved, but the methodology that's being employed is what is known as Fabian Socialism. Fabian Socialism, Fabian Warfare uh, goes back to ancient Rome. It has to do with a pagan Rome now during the Punic Wars with Hannibal Barca, the Second Punic War, where Hannibal uh, attacks Rome, you know, crosses the Alps with his elephants and so on, gets into all these battles where he's trashing the Roman army and he's seemingly undefeatable. And Rome didn't know how to deal with him. So they brought in a guy named uh, Fabius, Marcus Quintus Fabius. I think that was his name. But uh, his name Fabius, and he was called the avoider or the delayer because he said, don't attack Hannibal up front because we don't know how to beat him. So he began using all these indirect methods of warfare. And the idea was we're going to fight Hannibal indirectly until we can figure out how to defeat him in battle. So, you, so that's what Fabian warfare is. It's asymmetrical. It's indirect. You don't just march out on a battlefield and, and fight your enemy head on. You go move around them. You attack them where they're weak. You look for the weaknesses in whatever they're doing. And, and, that's, and so you add socialism to that. The Fabian socialists, that is how they wage war against the United States and really against the entire Western world. But if you look up the society, their symbol, their chosen symbol, this is not a conspiracy theory, their symbol is literally a wolf in sheep's clothing. That is literally their symbol. And why would they choose that symbol? Well, because they knew that their enemy, their choose, their, they, they chose a very biblical symbol. And it fits in with what the French revolutionaries, the Jacobins, chose, calling themselves those who are on the left. Christ is seated at the right hand of God, and his sheep, in Matthew 25, the sheep are on his right hand, and they enter into salvation and life eternal, but on his left hand are the goats, and those to whom Christ says, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire prepared for the devil and his angels. So the Jacobins who were anti-God and anti-Christ, they associated themselves with being on the left openly. And so continuing in that tra tradition, I believe, your socialists and communists celebrated Lucifer, they celebrated Satan. Uh, Marx certainly was uh, a Satanist, if you get the book, Marx and Satan, and so on. And so, of course, when Fabian socialism is developed, they openly choose as their symbol the wolf in sheep's clothing, effectively admitting what they're going to do. They're going to creep into the churches. They're going to deceive Christians by pretending that they're one of us. They're going to seek out positions of power and authority and then once they obtain those positions, they'll use that influence to infiltrate as, as many systems as possible. And they've been at this in America and the Western world for more than 100 years now. More than 100 years. A, a very, of course, the Counter-Reformation has gone on for hundreds of years. But Fabian Socialism, the Fabian Socialist Society, if you look them up, I mean, that's and, and it's it's not just the Fabian Socialist Society. I, I like to point to that because 
I think that most clearly describes their methodology, in my opinion. They're using Fabian Socialism, which was founded in January of 1884 in London, and they call it the Fabian Society. And yes, you can go, you can just look them up on uh, Wikipedia where it shows a, a wolf in sheep's clothing, the original coat of arms. And it openly admits the Fabian Society was named after, quote, Fabius the Delayer. Other histories call him the Avoider, but the Delayer, in other words, delay the conflict with Hannibal. So they have two symbols, apparently. They've got the wolf in sheep's clothing. The other one is a tortoise, a, a turtle. And I'll just read here part of this history. According to author John Perdue, quote, the logo of the Fabian Society, a tortoise, represented the group's predilection for a slow, imperceptible transition to socialism, while its coat of arms, a wolf in sheep's clothing, represented its preferred methodology for achieving its goal. The wolf in sheep's clothing symbolism was later abandoned due to its obvious negative connotations. So, yeah, they and, and they call themselves the Fabian Society, but really they're they're the Fabian Socialist Society. They've even got a historic plaque there in London, which says uh, the site where the Fabian Society was founded in 1884. So this is not conspiracy theory, folks. If you've got friends and family members that are going, oh, no, there's. Oh, we don't believe, all. oh, we're not going to listen to conspiracy theorists and whatever. This is historic information you can show them. You, you can show them. This is history. It's, it's like when we talk about the Bible version issue and how the critical text was developed specifically to undermine the received text. And people say, oh, we don't believe in all these conspiracy theories about the Bible and whatever. Well, you don't just go and read the the accounts. We show it to you in Bridge to Babylon and really the whole history of the Bible series. But just go read the letter that Dean John Bergen wrote to the bishop, the overseer, who was the overseer of the whole Westcott and Hort project, the revision committee of 1881. And what does he say when he when he looks at this illogical theory that was put in place? to change the text of the New Testament. Dean Bergen wrote, My Lord Bishop, all this appears to me to be what in the language of lawyers is called conspiracy. You don't have to be a conspiracy theorist. Just read a history book. And uh, that's what we've tried to do in our ministry is to document the pages of history to show people, no, the, well, yes, obviously there are illogical conspiracy theories. We don't deny that. We know that they're out there. And that is why we spend so much time trying to test and prove information and document real history. And as we're doing it, to give you the resources to show you where you yourself can go and look these things up. And, and you don't have to take our word for it. We're not encouraging you to take our word for it. We want you to believe the word of God. The word of God is true. Ultimately, that's what all of this is about. Just like when Elijah the prophet stood down the false prophets of Baal, why does he expose them and expose their false god Baal? It's so that the people will declare that the Lord, the God of Israel, he is the true God, that they'll turn away from these false idols. That's what God said, what the Lord Jesus Christ said to the Apostle Paul. He says, I've appeared to you for this reason, to make you a witness and a minister. You're going to be a minister unto the Gentiles to open their eyes, to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God. That's what we are called to do, brethren in our labor for the Lord, to lead people to salvation by turning them away from the power of Satan, away from the power of Satan unto God and life eternal through faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. As Jesus said, and this is life eternal, that they might know thee, the only true God and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. John 17, 3. 
Praise the Lord. That's the ultimate goal. That is the ultimate objective to all that we do here and really should be our ultimate goal as believers in Christ in whatever area of ministry the Lord has called us to. That's ultimately the goal, to show that the Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, He is the one true God. And His Word is true. The prophecies that He's given to us are true. Those prophecies that foretold the the coming of the Messiah into the world. As Peter said, the Apostle Peter in the New Testament said, concerning Jesus, to Him give all the prophets witness that through His name, whosoever believes in Him shall receive the remission of sins, the forgiveness of our sins, that we may be reconciled to God and have eternal life through faith in the Son of God, the Lord Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. All right, brethren, that is going to do it for us today. That is our show. We'll stop it there. But we will be back next time as the Lord leads us. Until then, God bless you guys. I'm Chris Pinto, and you've been listening to Noise of Thunder Radio. Noise of Thunder Radio.